Where to begin? This is Home Ice Advantage. I am, of course, your host, Colin. Follow the show. Follow me at Colin Home Ice. And today's episode is, is it's just going to be a good time. We have to talk about an unexpected hat trick, or maybe a, a fully expected hat trick. We'll get to that. We have a little bit of injury news. We have a trade that, once again, sends future considerations out to Las Vegas. I don't know what it is about us and future considerations, but I don't know where Waddell is getting it from. Is there like a tissue box that he just keeps pulling it from? I don't know where to begin. It's such a good time, and I just, I, I don't know what special piece to start with. Wait a minute. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. It's the intro. You start with an intro. God, and I want to do this for a living. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. I lied. I actually 100% understand how to do this. You bury the lead. You always bury the lead. It keeps people listening longer. It's good for the algorithm. So, before we talk about the Carolina Hurricanes beating the St. Louis Blues 6-4 to in St. Louis with, again, an unexpected hat-trick. Well, not unexpected hat-trick. A hat-trick from an unexpected player. But... Before we get into that, I want to talk about two transactions that involve our AHL affiliate in Chicago. But to hear it, let's travel to Chicago. All aboard! Yeah, I bet you didn't think that we had the money to travel to Chicago. And the truth is, we don't. Why do you think we want to train? So, if you have not checked in on the Chicago Wolves this season, first of all, wouldn't blame you. It has not been a great time. And second of all, you probably don't know that the season has not gone well so far. Through the first 16 games of the season, the Chicago Wolves are 5, 9, and 2. That's not great, in case you're wondering. They are currently 7th in their division. They are 30th out of 32 teams in the American League. Is there time to recover? Sure. Note to self, never do this again. It was a fun bit, but the audio quality. Anyways, so they're a little less than a quarter of the way through the season. And they are one of the worst teams in the American Hockey League. And that's bound to happen after you win a Calder Cup and the wide majority of your team leaves. Josh Levo is in St. Louis. We just saw him last night. Jack Drury's up at the big club. Jalen Chatfield up at the big club. Pietro Kuchekov up at the big club. We could do this all day and break down everyone, just they have lost a lot of talent after winning the Calder Cup. And I can, I can hear you asking, Colin, why are we on a train talking about the Chicago Wolves? This is a Carolina Hurricanes podcast. And I would say to that, fair, but also my podcast. I get to do what I want. The reason I want to talk about it is because in the past several days, the Hurricanes have made two transactions that I see as shoring up their AHL team. 
The first transaction I already alluded to was with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and again, I I don't know if Dundon has just been collecting future considerations over his long career and just now starting to burn them off. But in exchange for future considerations, the Carolina Hurricanes get Zach Hayes. Zach Hayes, or Hayes, uh, is a 23-year-old left-shot defenseman who was undrafted. He has played 14 games with the Henderson Silver Knights, which we'll get to it, but we won't get to it, actually. This is just a one-off. I don't like when minor league affiliates have the same mascot as their major league team. I like there to be some difference, but not the point. Uh, in those 14 games, he's a plus three. He's a former captain of his WHL team, which was the Prince Albert Raiders, and it's just a good depth move to try to show shore up a defensive group that has not been stellar in Chicago. And then the second transaction, and I know this is going to be hard to believe, the Chicago Wolves deal David Ference? F-A-R-R-A-N-C-A. I'm sorry, was never going to get it right. Too many R's for me. <laughs> to the Colorado Eagles for future considerations. And this was a move... He's played two games in Chicago this year, by the way. And this was a move to free up space for them to acquire Alex Green from the Laval Rocket. Green was originally drafted in the fourth round by the Tampa Bay Lightning. He did not agree to terms with them after his entry-level contract ended. And then signed with the uh, Rocket of the AHL this offseason. And now he's a Chicago Wolf. Kane's prospects on Twitter points out that these are purely depth moves and will not affect the Carolina Hurricanes in almost any way. They, uh, they being the Chicago Wolves, have been struggling defensively this season, obviously leading to their less than stellar record of again 5-9-2, and the organization is trying to take steps to make the team better. Oh look at that, I finished it right as we arrive in Chicago. The only problem with this is I now need to be in St. Louis, and I'm not riding another train because this was a stupid amount of work to do this. So, let's take a plane to St. Louis. That's going to be one sound effect, nice and easy. Okay, that's going to take some imagination, but imagine I'm running through TSA. I get to my gate just as they're closing the door to the plane, and I beg them, please, 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 I have to go to St. Louis. And because it's so weird to see a grown man cry over a hockey game, they let me on the plane because they just don't want to have to deal with me. Okay, I sleep on the plane for a little bit. I wake up, it's really not that long of a flight. A baby cries. <laughs> and then we arrive in St. Louis. Whew, I get there just in time. They have announced the lines, like actually announced, not just projected. Auntie Ranta, starting goaltender, a little bit expected. And nothing else has changed from the previous game, which is expected, but notable, because it's the first time in a little bit that Rod Brindamore didn't change his lines. We go into the fourth period of hockey, and stop me if you've heard this one before. The Hurricanes lead the St. Louis Blues in shots on goal 9-6. to six. But after the first 20 minutes, the Carolina Hurricanes are down one nothing thanks to a power play goal 12 minutes into the fourth period. Auntie Ranta was screened. You would hope that he could get there in time. It kind of is what it is. Uh, go into the second period. You would hope Hurricanes strike fast, right? Like a minute two into the period, Hurricanes up a goal. But no, it doesn't happen. In fact, St. Louis would go up 2 nothing just two minutes into the period. 
It's now 2-0 and Carolina doesn't have a single goal. And you have to be thinking when St. Louis is up 2-0, Welp, this sucks. I mean, it's not impossible. But something dramatic will have to happen. Or I just have to sit through 25 minutes of my team losing for them to hopefully pull out a lead. There's, you know, no other way this could go. I'm just going to have to suffer for a little bit, and then hopefully they'll get a lead. Jordan Marnuk ends up drawing a hooking penalty about two minutes after it becomes a 2-0 game, which is, again, nice, you know, our power play is looking better, so hopefully they can convert, and it's a 2-1 game. But honestly, I'm a little peckish. A little hungry. I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to make myself a sandwich. I say I won't be gone for more than, like, 90 seconds, let's say. Uh, I'll just play the game audio so you guys have something to listen to, but I'll be right back. Turns around. Mason. Svechnikov and Natchez all with three power play goals for the Kings this year. Tied for the first spot now. Burns shoots and scores! On the power play! They've gotten it within one. Now stall out for Foss. Martinuk will try to get to it on the rebound. Along the boards, it's kept in Shea. Shea's shot doesn't get through. Now Martinuk will get to it and score! Jordan Martinuk! Quick shot from the top of the circle! And in game 5-0-1, Jordan Martinuk puts Carolina in a tie game. Now it'll be played in by Letty. He'll give it up, and Natchez has it. Natchez through center ice, goes right around O'Reilly. Natchez for Jarvis. Jarvis shot, he scores! Okay, well, I'm back, and you know every once in a while, you make yourself food, and you're just like, wow, this is going to hit really, really well. I'm currently eating a Monstor white bread, just a little bit of mayonnaise, just a little bit of mustard, a little bit of uh, freshly ground pepper on top, Monster cheese, honey ham. It's going to be delicious. Let's see what I missed here. The score is... What happened? I was gone for 90 seconds. I didn't even make a good sandwich. This isn't going to be good. I just threw it together. Okay, okay. Let me let me run to the box score really quick. Let me see what happened. Brett Bourne scores on the power play unassisted at 524. Okay. 20 seconds later, Jordan Mardinuk ties it again unassisted. Close to 45 seconds later, Seth Jarvis, with help from Martin Natchez, makes it a 3-2 hockey game. And one minute and four seconds, the Carolina Hurricanes win. From being down two to nothing to leading the game three to two. This is the fourth fastest the Carolina Hurricanes have ever scored three goals in a game. The fastest was 43 seconds against the Tampa Bay Lightning on October 28, 2006. 2006? When Eric Stahl, Kevin Adams, and Eric Cole. All recorded goals. Kevin Adams, current GM in Buffalo. Eric Cole, just kind of around in Raleigh. And Eric Stahl, close to hanging them up in Florida. It's tied for the second fastest three goals in organization history. So, just Carolina. The last time we did it, again, at a minute and four seconds, was in December of 2019. I just want to take this moment to point out that um, there's always a lot of hockey left. There's five minutes left in the game and your game and your team is down by three. Well, guess what? There's still a lot of hockey left, guys. A lot of hockey left. The game would remain 3-2 until it was eventually tied on a St. Louis Blues power play because Jacob Slavin is a criminal. 
He is the gooniest of goons and gets called for delay of game. Puck over glass, 11 minutes and 33 seconds into the second period. St. Louis converts on the power play. Everything's stupid. We go into the second intermission, tied at 3-3, but there is a lot of faith. A lot of faith in that Hurricanes locker room. I would add that Bennington is clearly shaken after allowing those three goals in 64 seconds. Honestly, Jordan Bennington is not the goalie he was when the Blues went on their run and won the Cup. His rebound control was downright awful. I'm honestly shocked Carolina was not able to convert on a rebound. But, a lot of faith. A lot of faith. Love to be a fly on the locker room in this period, but for good reason. you got to imagine everyone in that locker room is buzzing. They come out for the third period, and this is the... This doesn't normally happen, but Carolina is outshot in the third period 11-9. to But Carolina outscores the opponent 3-1. Two of them are empty nets. We'll get to it. But Jordan Marnuk, 15 minutes and 25 seconds, into the third period, would collect a loose puck in the neutral zone, thanks to Jacob Slavin being the best defensive defenseman in the league. I'll fight you on it. Come at me. But Marna collects a loose puck, carries it into the zone, and beats Bennington blocker high on a goal that there's no way Jordan Bennington doesn't want back. There's no way he doesn't want it back. But it sucks to be him. He should control his emotions more. It's actually, when Ranta came out of the game and Kochekov was put in net in the third period, we'll get to why later, but when that happened, the chances of a goalie fight increased exponentially. There have never, I shouldn't say that, the chances of a goalie fight between Jordan Bennington and Pietro Kochekov will always be a little high. Jordan Bennington is kind of, whatever, I'm not going to use a word, Think of something disparaging, but not too disparaging, because, like, still a human being. But, you know, disparaging about him. And then Pietro Kochekov is just an angry Russian sometimes. 100% is a thing. He's just an angry Russian sometimes. Ask Marshan. Ask whoever he was yelling at after the Wild game. He's just an angry Russian. Very good goaltender. Good future in this league. But he's an angry Russian. And the best part of this is there is... Five, I mean, six goals scored for Carolina in this game. Half of them were unassisted. Isn't that absurd? Half of them were unassisted. The next goal would be an empty netter scored by Jordan Stahl, who, hey, the captain deserves some goals. Let's pad some stats. It's all cool. Everything's fine. We're going to sail to an easy win. It's going to be an easy 5-3 win. Who cares? Until Ryan O'Reilly, with less than a minute left, makes it a 4-5 hockey game. Now, that's more interesting. That is so much more interesting. And I don't know if you heard, but Jordan Marnock has two goals in this game. He's officially on Hattie Watch. As the clock starts to tick down to zero, it looks like it's not going to happen. going to be 100% honest with you. It looks like it's not going to be happen. Hat tricks are hard. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. You know, uh, you know, breaking news, it's hard to score three goals in one game. In fact, only one person did it last year, who was Jordan Stahl. It just so happens this year, we've already had two from Andrei Svechnikov, thank you Edmonton, and one from Sebastian Ajo. Less than a minute left on the clock, and Jordan Marnock isn't even on the ice. Starts ticking down, 45 seconds, not on the ice yet. 30 seconds, he's on the ice. 
Less than 20 seconds left in the game. And let me hand it off to Mike Maniscalco. Because God knows we want to hear the game audio of this. 19 seconds left here. Puck goes deep into the Canes corner. Rides the rail. Burns will get to it. He'll try to clear it out. Martinuk all alone. He's going to get to the puck. Can he get the hat trick? Yes, he can! Hat trick! Jordan Martinuk into the empty net! No one deserved this more. Let's go back and remember that Jordan Stahl had to survive ravers to stay on the team that he is part of revitalizing. He took so much, and I mean so much, unnecessary trash talk. And uh, hey, I include myself in that one. I said, hey, maybe give some of these new guys a shot. And Jordan Marnock told me to sit down and shut up. If you thought I got over-emotional over a, lo a loss... You have no idea how excited I am for Jordan Marnock. Well-deserved hat-trick. You could see him buzzing in his 500th game. And in game 501, he gets the hat-trick. Let's hear what head coach Rod Brindamore had to say about the situation. It's, what, what a glorious day. What a glorious day. I mean, he was, uh, he was great. You know, he, had a, he knew it. The first goal was his guy. And, you know, I just love the fact that he just turned the page. You know, he had a tough shift there. And next thing you know, he just said, uh, done. And he went ahead and was the best player in the game. So, Jordan Monuk was the best player in the game. That's not me saying it. That's Rod Brindamore saying Jordan Monuk was the best player in the game. And how do we know? Because he has a fucking hat trick. What type of question is that? Oh, okay, we'll, we'll move past the phenomenal Jordan Marnuk hat trick. By the way, the team has never had four hat tricks this early into the season. Ever, in the history of the organization. But, we're going to move away from that. We're going to cover other post-game. We're going to go back to the locker room and hear from Rod. This time about the three goals in 64 seconds. Well, we got, you know, obviously we got... Uh... I think that's Bernsey got the one on the power play, which is nice. So it was only power play tonight. So, you know, that was good that we connected there. And then, you know, I think, I don't know if it's sometimes that momentum builds right after a good power play, and we were able to snap home a couple more. So that was a big stretch of the, of the game, obviously. From there, we will finish his press conference, or media scrim, really. Really, he only talked to Hannah Yates, which makes sense there on the road. I guess Mike was busy doing something else. So we only talked to Hannah Yates. But she asked great questions. Hannah Yates is great. Not the point. The next question was on Kochekov coming into the game cold to replace Antti Ranta, who we will talk about right after we hear from Rod. Pyotr Kochekov steps up when called upon. How helpful was that? Oh, man. I mean, he's been great, as we know. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a tough, tough spot for a goalie to get thrown in the middle of the game and be cold in the whole nine yards. And, you know, he, he played great for us. So um, that, was, that was huge. If you missed last night's game and don't know, Antti Ranta started the game, played two periods, allowed two soft goals, if I'm going to be honest, and then did not play in the third period. Speculation was rampant on why Kochekov started the third. I did make a Twitter whoopsie in tweeting out in the second intermission a, a quick Twitter poll. I set it to uh, 15 minutes, you know, just going to be during the second intermission, and should Kochekov replace... Ranta in the third period. My mindset on this was that Jordan Bennington was shaky. He did not have confidence in himself, mainly because he allowed three goals in 64 seconds. Don't know if I mentioned that yet. 
and Auntie Ranta had allowed two soft goals. You didn't want to lose the game, so why not see what Kochukov can do in that final thing? There would also have been mad slander on Ranta on Twitter. So I just wanted to see, you know, what the fan base's temperature was in that moment. Ultimately, uh, by a very, very slim margin, they did say that Pietro Kuchekov should start the third. So, again, it only ran during the second intermission. By the time we knew for sure that Kuchekov would start the third, the poll was already over. 54% said sorry, but yes, Ranta should be replaced. While 46% said of course not. That's insane. Which it is a little bit. Kate Hunter, or at Kaniac Chick on Twitter, tweeted in response, can't make a hit to a goalie's confidence like that. And that's 100% true. I was just interested to see if Kane's Twitter is as insane as it feels sometimes. And it was. Ultimately, Kochekov would start the third, but it's not because Rod Brennamore felt as if he was playing poorly. Or, I should rephrase, there was a chance, a likelihood, that that's not what it was. Corey LaViolette, uh, of North State Journal fame, also now the writer for the Athletic Weekly Pieces, at Corey Love on Twitter, tweeted out, as I was finishing this episode, so perfect timing for me, that he had talked to GM Don Riddell, and he specifically asked about Ranta. And Riddell responded with, He had some cramping in warm-up, and just got worse as the game went on. That's the official narrative of the organization. Ronda had cramping, and Rod Brindamore is known for if a player says they don't feel right, he will take them out. No hesitation. Hey, if you don't feel right, don't be on the ice. There's no reason for us to push you in, you know, game 23. That's fine. Take your time. Rest up. Come back. Rod is also known for never pulling a goalie. Like, ever. I, I honestly can't think of a time that he has pulled a goalie because they played poorly. I'm sure he's done it at least once. Right? Like, I, I have a very vague memory of him doing it once, but I don't remember who it was, don't remember when it was. It's incredibly rare. So, if you want to believe that Ronto was pulled because he was playing poorly, go right ahead. There's not much evidence to support that claim, but gut feeling, I understand. All the evidence points to Ronta cramping, Rod having a conversation with him, Ronta saying, hey, it would be great if I didn't have to, and Ronta sits as Kochakov finishes the game. Ultimately, I would love to see the team ride the hot hand that is Kochekov. There was a ton of spacing in between these games. There wasn't another back-to-back for three weeks. And I'm not saying Kochekov should play every game, because you don't want Ronta to sit on the shelf for that long. But if you wanted Kochekov to get a full season in the NHL, you wanted to see if he could be an everyday cold tender, well, this is a time to see it. Give Kochekov two to three games in a row, throw Ronta in. Ronta plays a game. If he plays really well, maybe he gets the next start. If he doesn't, give Kochekov another few games. And if Kochekov can prove that this is the workload he can handle, oh my god, this is an incredibly great sign. And if he doesn't, well now we know, and it didn't really cost us anything. You see what I mean? These, this is a good time to test that out. We have the opportunity, so we might as well. Before we end today's show, I do have one other piece of news from Walt Ruff, who committed a cardinal sin in the eyes of anyone who watches TV shows or movies, you know, spoiler alert stuff. At Walt Ruff on Twitter, 
The Canes have activated for Terrifor Terrifinen from Injured Resolve. His status for tomorrow's game in Los Angeles is to be determined. The 28-year-old ringer has missed the team's last 10 games due to an upper body injury. All of that points to Terrifinen being a game-time decision in L.A. If I had to pick one way or another, he's probably going to play, which also means that someone's going to have to sit out. I saw a piece, I'm not going to name the publication, that I thought was absurd that Kakanyemi should be the one to sit when Terravinen comes back. Because now, we, you know, we, we had all the call-ups. You're not going to sit Nason, because Nason has been playing well. And you're not going to sit John Stahl, John Marnuk, you know, Martin H's, all the guys that have been producing. So who are you going to sit? In my head, it has to be Jack Drury, who has also not really done anything this year, and he didn't do anything in the NHL. So at most, absolute most, you would sit Jack Drury, Cock and Yemi would be your fourth-line center, which I don't love, but whatever, and then Teovina would go back on the top line, Nason would drop down and play with Svechnikov and Stastny. By the way, don't love Stastny on the second line. He hasn't been playing well. I, I don't care. Oh, he's looking better as of late. Yeah, two games. He looked acceptable for two games after 20 games of just a, like not being there. N- none of that's the point. Let's not die in any hills today. The exciting news is that Tara Vinen will most likely be back in tonight's game in L.A. Thank you, as always, for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Please follow the show wherever you're currently listening to it. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you want, at Colin Home Ice. There's a link down below. If you would, please share the show. You have no idea how much that helps. I thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. Uh, we had our Spotify wrapped, and I guess I didn't realize like the growth rate. Like I've seen the numbers, and I knew that the show's audience had at least doubled. But when you actually dig into the numbers, we have tripled our audience in the past year. That's because of you guys. That's not because of me. I'm producing the same content. It's because of you guys for listening and sharing. Thank you. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.